Please take your seats. Right, as we know from the candles, we have reached the second Sunday in Advent. So today we're on to the second of our songs that feature in that Christmas story. So our reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verse 39 to 56. It's a passage that we often refer to, the song that Mary sings, we refer to as the Magnificat. And I think I had that, it's maybe page 1026, is that right? In your pew Bible, I didn't bring that bit of paper up with me. So, verse 39 in Luke chapter 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has received that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Shall we just pray before we look at this in more detail? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us this morning through your Holy Spirit. Father, we are aware as to how important the Holy Spirit is, both in the words that I say this morning, but in how we understand each of them to our own hearts. Holy Spirit, come, be in our midst this morning. Give us something new from this well-known story, this well-known passage, that we might meet with you here today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So let's just try to get together as to what's actually been happening at this part of the story. Because it's a story you know well, but if you look just a few verses before, you'll discover that Mary had her encounter with the angel Gabriel. He came and said to her, I want you, or God wants you, to be the mother of 
of his child, the Messiah, who is going to come. And Mary says, yes, I am willing to do as God would ask of me. The angel Gabriel also had told Mary that her relative Elizabeth was now expecting, that Elizabeth was a far older woman. She was probably maybe in her 70s, maybe her 80s, unsure. But certainly we know she was well beyond childbearing age. And Elizabeth was now pregnant. She was now six months pregnant. I wonder what actually happened after this encounter. You know these bits, the bit that goes in between verse 38 there. Did Mary go back to her parents? Did she say, I've just met an angel. He's told me I'm about to have a child. And she was so excited about it. I don't know what her parents thought. It's like that kind of dreaded thing. The daughter comes home and says, I'm pregnant. What, what would the parents have thought? They're thinking, she's got this strange... You met an angel? Really? What's Joseph that she's betrothed to? What on earth is he going to think? Mary, maybe her right life is going to be ruined. What are we going to do? Let's give ourselves some breathing space. Elizabeth, our relative, she is far older. She's got to six months in her pregnancy. She could probably do with a bit of help. Let's send Mary off to be with Elizabeth, and she can give her that help. And then by that three months, we'll start to be quite sure as to whether Mary really is pregnant and what we're going to do about that, how we can deal with that. Or maybe she'll have got these notions out of her head and decided that actually she's not having a baby at all and she made it all up. Maybe Mary was actually quite keen to go and see Elizabeth because she hears too that Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, had actually met the same angel. So that maybe Elizabeth actually would be quite understanding about what was happening and believe Mary. So off Mary trots, 15-year-old girl, to go and live in this home of her relative Elizabeth, who's significantly older than her. Probably takes a while in the, the journey. I don't know how long it would have taken her to get there, but off she goes for an extended stay. And so we get into the story just as Mary is arriving at Elizabeth's home. And of course, the two of them meet, one would expect. But there's some important things to notice about this particular meeting. The passage is quite clear that whenever they met, that the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes to Elizabeth and she senses, wow, there is something really different, something really important and significant happening here. The Holy Spirit comes and fills Elizabeth and prompts the words that she says. She talks about being favored to be in the presence of the mother of her Lord. How on earth did she know that? Peter had a, a previous encounter with Jesus, wasn't it? Where Peter suddenly said, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, 
You are the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus said, that wasn't revealed to you by man. That was revealed to you by God himself through the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth has had a similar experience. God, through the Holy Spirit, has said to her, this child that Mary is carrying is someone really holy and different. Just like when Moses approached that burning bush and it was a holy place and he had to take his shoes off, he was aware that he was in the presence of holiness. And, Mary, and Elizabeth recognized that when she met Mary. But not only did Elizabeth recognize it, the child in her womb to become John the Baptist, he too recognized it and leapt with joy. Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, she'd already been told that this child she was carrying would be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just in his later ministry, but while he was in the womb. And so the unborn child, John the Baptist, leaps because he is in the presence of holiness. A strange encounter that they have. And Mary talks about how favored, sorry, Elizabeth talks about how favored Mary is because she has willingly accepted God's call. Her husband, Zechariah, had a similar visit from the angel, but he scoffed and said, Come on, pull the other one. Elizabeth, she's far, far too old to have her child. And so what happened to Zechariah? He was struck dumb. So for that whole period of Elizabeth's pregnancy, he was unable to speak. But Mary, when she had met the angel, she says, yes, according to your will, as you would have it, let it be. So Elizabeth understands how greatly favored Mary is because of her response to the angel's call. Mary, of course, responds as well to Elizabeth's greeting. And she sings a song. Now, if we took this passage that we know as the Magnificat, took it out of Luke's gospel and stuck it into the middle of the Psalms, I don't suppose any of us would actually bat an eyelid. The whole format of this song is a psalm, just like the kind that David wrote and in the books of the Psalms. So it is undoubtedly a song, but a song that is being prompted again by the Holy Spirit. As Mary traveled to Elizabeth's house, I'm sure she was beginning to process what had happened to her. This encounter with the angel, what God was asking, what did it actually mean? Were there other people in the Bible for whom this kind of encounter had actually happened before? What other women suddenly discovered that they were going to have a child? And I'm sure her thoughts went to the story of Hannah. If you remember the story of Hannah way back in the, the Old Testament, Hannah was a married woman, but she was barren and she couldn't have any children. And she was dreadfully upset about this because in that culture, that was the job of wives was to provide children. And if you couldn't do it, then it just said that she was a nobody and indeed did not have 
God's favor. And she would go to the temple and she would cry. But in her tears in that temple, God met with her and said, yes, you will have a child. She was so grateful to have that child that she said, I will hand him back to God. Her child was Samuel, who went on to be a great prophet. And when she went, Samuel was weaned, she took Samuel back to the temple to leave him with the the priest Levi, and he was going to live in, in the temple to be brought up. And you can imagine maybe many mothers might be filled with tears at the thought that their very young son was, was going off. But Hannah, she sings a song of joy. And her song is actually very similar to the song that, that Mary sang. If you want to have a look at it, it's in page 272 in the Bibles in the Pew, 1 Samuel chapter 2. And I'm going to read it to you because you will hear how many of these same themes come in. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled and are armed with strength, those who were full, hire themselves out for food. But those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children. She who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and makes them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On him he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven, and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. If you have time later today or later in the week, it might be a good exercise just to open the two passages and compare them and see the common themes that come. Mary would have been a girl who was grounded in Scripture. And yes, the Holy Spirit is prompting her to sing her song, but he is also bringing words that she has heard and read in Scripture It is probably not at all surprising that if God inspired Hannah to sing these words, why would he not inspire Mary to sing very similar thoughts? These are the thoughts of God himself through the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at what Mary's song actually, what themes it has. Firstly, It is a theme of she is full of joy. It is a song of joy, her heart's overflowing. Secondly, that she gives praise for what God has done for her. And then thirdly, 
she gives praise for how God relates to mankind. And we're going to look at those three things. For Tim, if you could put that right to the end of that slide first, that would be great. Thank you. Um, then we're going to look at these three parts, but we're actually going to look at them in reverse order. So we're going to start with that bottom one. She gives praise for how God relates to mankind. She praises God because he is holy. We've already talked about that holiness of God. She knows that the God who has met her was a holy God. She's felt that in her encounter with the angel Gabriel. God is one who is separate, who is different, who is nothing like her. He is holy. And then this God, he is powerful. He is mighty. He can do miraculous things. He has made Hannah have a child. He has enabled Elizabeth to have her child in her old age. He can do powerful things. Obviously, the Jews would have known about opening the Red Sea and the people walking through. Loads of stories in their history about the powerfulness of their God, Yahweh. But he's also a merciful God. He's one who forgives his people when they go astray. He wants to help them. He bends down and he favors the lowly. Now, we might imagine, because this is a God who is so powerful and great and mighty and strong and all-knowing and all these attributes that we give to God, that therefore he would wish his son to be born in an environment with people like that. So therefore we might have thought that God was going to be born to in Caesar's palace or in the king of Judea's palace or somewhere where people were rich, wealthy, and strong. But no, the song says, actually, these are not the things that God actually favors. That he's sending away those who were full of food. He sends them away so that they go hungry. And he feeds the poor. So he feeds the hungry. For those that are rich, he takes away their riches and gives riches to the poor that he takes rulers off their throne, that he abhors arrogance and pride, that he loves lowliness and humility. And at Mary's stage, actually, this was the predicament of the Jewish people. We don't hear it that much, particularly in the Christmas story, but we know, because there was a census, that actually the Jewish people were under the Roman Empire. So when Caesar decides there's got to be a census, authors have, they have to go. Why might Caesar want a census? Well, he wants to count how many people there are. What am I going to be able to raise in taxes? There would have been taxes on all these Jewish people to pray to make the Roman army larger so they could go and have more conquests throughout the world. The money would go for all the lavish spending that happened in the Roman palaces and all the lifestyle that some of these wealthy Romans enjoyed. And these Jewish people would have been paying for it. Yes, they still had their own king, but boy, was he a puppet just for the Roman Empire. They were a people who were oppressed and dejected 
And yes, they were looking forward to the fact that someday God was going to send someone to rescue them. He was going to send their Messiah. As he'd promised to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And Mary understood that actually she was going to be part of that salvation that God was bringing. And so therefore, she was singing praise for what God had done for her. She was lowly. She was a virgin, a 15-year-old girl or so. We don't know exactly how old she was, but she had no power. She had no authority. There was nothing that she could do. She'd probably been sent off to Elizabeth because her parents had said so. She wasn't making decisions about her own life. She wasn't able to be a religious leader. She wasn't a prophet. The very best that Mary could really hope for was to make a good match the husband and to bring some sons into the world. She knew her total lack of power and status. That God had chosen to meet with her. And she was just delighted that he had chosen to meet with her. And when he did ask, it's actually because of her total humility that she just said, yes, whatever you would have, I will do. Zechariah, he was a priest. God said, I will come and give you a special child. He scoffed and laughed. Mary said, I don't understand how you could possibly do this. I'm, I'm not married. Gabriel says, leave that with God. And she said, fine, I'm willing Whatever you wish to do through me, I am willing to be your vessel for that. And that resulted in great joy for her. So she is going around singing this great song. She understands that she is really favored. Not in any proud, arrogant way. She is favored just because she said yes. And so she sings this song, bubbling up from her heart. And I'm sure because she was with Elizabeth, that Elizabeth was able to join in that song of joy with her. Probably Mary's parents weren't. Wasn't that great of God to put those two people together so that they could unite and sing songs of joy together? And that's what Mary was doing. But how does that actually really all relate to us? We, we tell this story every Christmas. And it's so easy, isn't it, for us just to think, well, that's about Mary. We're just telling a story. We're, we're removed from this. We can just about slightly relate to Hannah, or maybe some people can particularly relate to Hannah, who was barren, and then God came and gave her a child. But we, we can't really relate, and if you're male, even less so, can't really relate to the fact that Mary suddenly conceived through the Holy Spirit. That she was, yes, the one and only mother of Jesus. 
But what is it that God could be speaking to us about this morning? So firstly, how do we actually view our status before God? Most of us here are not hungry. Most of us have relative riches. Some of us will have feel we've got more power and authority than others. I doubt if any of us actually think that we're rulers of our country. But we, in many ways, have got a lot of power. And therefore, it's difficult to relate to some of that. Indeed, are we the people that actually are being slightly condemned in this psalm? Or aren't we actually people who are proud and arrogant? God says how much he hates that. Do we think we know best? That's the remarkable thing in this story, is that Mary didn't think that she knew best. She was humble and willing to accept whatever God would say. This story spoke to me most many years ago, or initially for the first time anyway. Um, I was in my very early 20s, I think I was probably about 21 at the time, and I went to a church and somebody suggested that I stood for the diaconate and stood as a deacon and I came from an upbringing that said deacons are men and deacons certainly are not people who are 20 they're probably generally people who are about 60 and I I felt really sort of confused about this why on earth would people be asking me to stand about this you know, it's, it's not right, I can't do it. And I was coming up with all these different reasons why it couldn't possibly be right and couldn't possibly happen. And it must have been about this time of year. And I started reading the story of, of Mary. And I was aware, yes, she had reasons why she said it couldn't possibly happen. But she just said, that's your problem, God. If you wish that to happen, fine. I'm available. And that really spoke to me that actually it was about, will I say, yes, I'm available? As to whether I get elected or not, well, God has to speak to everybody else who's casting their votes on this. That's not, that's not my area. And I felt I've kept coming back to that when sometimes people have asked me to do things or God particularly, has been asking me to do things as to whether I thought they were right. Am I willing to say, yes, I'm an open vessel to be used by you, whatever way, and all the problems and the obstacles, that's for you to sort out. Do we realize, actually, that we too are chosen and favored? That, you know, throughout history, we've seen Mary as being somebody really, really special and different. But actually, God speaks to each one of us and says, I'm meeting with you. Will you respond to me? Will you say, yes, I'm willing, I'm available? And when we say yes, then we feel that God looks on us 
as somebody who is chosen and favoured. Mary is not the only person in Scripture to be chosen and favoured. And we can be aware of feeling God's favour rest on us. How can you be willing in your life to get to the point that you can just be filled with the Holy Spirit to sing that song of joy because God has chosen you? These are just questions that I'd like to to leave with you to try and earth part of this Christmas story into your lives today. And so I'd like to allow some time for you just to reflect on that. And so I've got a a song that will play. It's called Highly Favoured. So it's very loosely based on this passage. But it's actually asking us to consider Is God choosing me? Can I feel that I can go out and sing that I'm favoured? I remember reading a story, and I can't really quite get this right, but it was about a tramp that sat at the side of the road. And he sat and he prayed. And every day, a fairly rich man would go past, and he would watch this man praying. And he spoke to him one day and said, you know, God must be really, really pleased with you because you devote all your time to praying to him. And the tramp just looked up and said, yes, I think God is very fond of me. Just love that image, isn't it? Do we have a sense that God is fond of you? Use this song just to think through, pray through, Is that the kind of relationship that you are able to have with God Almighty, the Holy One, this Christmas?